Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. I am super excited to introduce you to today's guest, Danielle Holyoke, COO and co-founder of Amelia Risk, an insurance brokerage that works primarily with CPG brands. Business insurance is one of those most important things that we often leave on the back burner until it's too late. Luckily, Danielle has years of experience and knowledge she shared during our conversation. When should brands consider getting insurance? What are the different types of coverage and what can they do for you? Do you choose a brokerage or go straight to the insurance company? What if your co-packer or supplier already has insurance? Can you rely on that? Keep listening for the answers to those questions and more, plus some stories from her clients that prove just how helpful insurance can be. Enjoy this episode all about business insurance for CPG brands. Danielle, welcome to the Physical Product Movement Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. For sure. Yeah, I'm really stoked uh, to talk with you. We connected a few months ago in the startup CPG Slack channel. I don't even remember how, but I think you had posted in one of the um, in one of the channels about what you do. Um, you know, being the co-founder of an insurance brokerage, and um, we haven't had anyone who does what you do on the podcast yet. I think it's super valuable. Um, it's something that a lot of brands um, probably don't think about, and Rightfully so. They've got a million things on their minds when they're launching their business and even years into it. Um, and that's one of the things we'll talk about is when should brands like start to um, think about it and how to go about the process of finding it and what are the right types of questions to ask. And so I'm really excited to um, to talk with you and just hear your expertise on, on the topic. And also shout out to the Startup CPG Slack channel. Um, for those of you listening, if you're not in that Slack channel, highly recommend it. I think it's over like 7,000 um, yeah. professionals now, right? That are like in it's the awesome, CPG space. Yeah, it's a really awesome community. Amen to that. Awesome. Well, um, I'll let you just kind of take it away and tell us about your brokerage and how you started it and why the name. Yeah, yeah. Amelia the, Risk. A lot of people think it's uh, Amelia Earhart, which is uh, not not accurate, but not a bad association. Um, so yeah, I actually started my career in insurance about 10 years ago. 
Um, I started just out of college and it was a total accident getting into this industry uh, for, as it is for most people in our industry. Um, and I was honestly really instantly drawn to the risk management industry because I like when there's a whole world behind the scenes that, that mo- like on the surface you don't understand is going on. And I think insurance is that for a lot of people. There's not a lot of insight into how the industry works and why it is the way that it is. So that was really fun for me. And I also really liked learning about the businesses that are insured and why they need certain types of policies and where their business risk is. So um, I I started working with technology startups for the most part in early in my career. And a few years in, I got the opportunity to work on some really large and fast growing CPG brands. So that's how I started learning CPG insurance. And I was honestly hooked. I, um, I just love working with these brands. So then the, the brokerage that I was at was acquired by a really large multinational um, brokerage that was very interesting. I mean, it was, I learned a lot those couple of years after the acquisition, but ultimately what I saw was startups and smaller businesses were just not getting what they needed, um, meaning tailored policies, your broker on the phone with you, and true risk management and consultation. So uh, I, I left after about two years and um, started Amelia Risk with my business partner, Liz, and it's been awesome. I mean, we focus on startups and smaller businesses, um, but primarily in the CPG space. We still do tech. Uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's what we know, but CPG is our focus and it's probably about 90 to 95% of our clients at this moment. Um, and Amelia Risk is, uh, as I mentioned, not Amelia Earhart, but a play on the word ameliorate to make better. So, and we wanted something a little bit different and we are a women owned business. So we wanted a feminine association as well. So I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about when a CPG brand should consider, insurance is there is it is it is it ever too soon is it ever too late what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that yeah it it can be too soon and it can be too late so uh (laughs) too soon is when it's you have an idea um and you do not yet have your product um maybe you're in the planning stages it's a good time to talk to a broker perhaps do a little bit of research so you can start planning on the costs that you're going to incur Um, but definitely too soon to be buying it too late is, you know, there's some give and take there. Uh, I see a lot of folks that are millions in revenue that haven't bought insurance yet. I think that's a little too late, a little too risky. Uh, generally my recommendation is once you have product in people's hands, it's time to buy at least product liability. So you may have different, um, different things that happen that are the catalyst to getting insurance. Maybe you hire your first employee and you need workers' compensation. Maybe you get funding and you need DNO right away. Uh, but for most CPG startups, it is the beginning of the product launch. So whether it's, you know, samples um, that are in the hands of family and friends and maybe buyers or a farmer's market um, or you're selling, but you want to have product liability. 
in in place at that time. Okay, that one hundred percent makes makes sense, and that kind of segues well into another question. You already and you already talked about some of them, but what are you mentioned as far as like what are the the reasons that a business or that a you know specifically speaking about CPG um, that a CPG business would want to have insurance? You already mentioned um, if they're hiring their first employee, if they're getting their products into the hands of customers, mm-hmm. um, what are some other reasons or kind of some motivations that they would want to have insurance? Yeah. So, so I think that again, in the beginning stages, the biggest one is products in the hands of people, because if you, for CPG brands, you're making something that people are consuming or using, right? Mostly consumption, although there could be, you know, household cleaners and things. Um, if your product makes people sick, or it causes injury to them somehow. So whether that's, you know, a chipped tooth or there was mold in the drink or the glass bottle that your drink came in broke and cut their hand. So it's not even necessarily the consumption, it's the interaction with your product. Those are all claims that a general liability or product liability policy covers. Um, so that's the biggest concern. And honestly, it's the biggest concern from the beginning of your company all the way to the end. That is always going to be the biggest component of your insurance program is the product liability because you sell a product, right? Um, another consideration is, is cargo insurance. So that is something that covers your stock or your inventory at any point in the supply chain. So whether that's, that is at locations like co-packers or 3PLs or it's in transit. Um, and so that one policy can cover the entire, the entire supply chain so that there aren't any gaps in coverage. Um, there's, there's a million other types of policies to get, but those are the ones that I think in the very beginning, at least, you should be thinking about. Okay, that totally makes sense. And just out of curiosity with that cargo policy, um, because since we're obviously inventory management software, that's one mm-hmm. that we would, um, you know, probably be tied to the most and recommend mm-hmm. that our customers get. Does that kick in like the moment that you purchase supplies or, you, or that you purchase yeah. inventory, like even before it gets sent to you or sent to the co-factor, you're saying? Yeah, so this one is a really dynamic policy. So generally speaking, once you have a financial interest in the product or the property, mm-hmm. meaning the raw materials or the finished product, you would want to be insuring it. So if you own the raw materials or the work in process at the co-packer, you want to insure it. Sometimes the co-packer is responsible for insuring it and you don't even take ownership until it's a finished product and until it leaves that facility. So you want to understand that's part of what what a good broker would do, right? Is sit down and, and ask you these questions and say, okay, when do you own the product? How much of it do you have there? Uh, where does it go after that? And to what degree are you responsible for this? Um, and so, yeah, it, it effectively, you would insure it as soon as you take ownership of any part of that property, whether it's raw materials or it's the finished product. Gotcha. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Um, what, so, so let's say that I'm on board, I'm a brand, I'm ready to kind of, you know, um, start to price this out for my business. Um, obviously I need to work with a brokerage 
instead of going straight to like the insurance company? Why does it work that way? Yeah. So that's certainly what I would recommend. It's not, <laughs> it's not the only option. You can go direct to consumer. Or sorry, um, there are insurance companies that go direct to consumer. So you can go directly to the insurance company. I don't, I don't recommend it typically. And again, I mean, I'm, I'll admit I'm really biased in this. Um, but you know, there's here's how it works, right? The insurance company and and the underwriter that works for the insurance company, their job is to offer a policy that covers enough things and is priced low enough that they're competitive within the marketplace and that you choose them. But their incentive is to have as many exclusions on the policy as they can because they don't want to pay claims. Your incentive as the brand owner is to have your claims paid, right? You, if, you, if something bad happens, you want to be able to call upon that insurance policy that you bought and say, all right, where's my money? So my job as a broker is to represent you, the brand owner, to the insurance company, not the other way around. So I don't work for the insurance company. I work for the insured or the brand in this case. And my job is to look through those policies and find problematic exclusions and say, hey, underwriter, I need you to take that exclusion off. Or can we change it in the following ways so that it's uh, more competitive? You know, I've seen exclusions on clients' policies that outright exclude the client's products that they are not aware of on there. And... Um, it's not, it, then you're paying a couple thousand dollars a year for a policy that doesn't cover actually anything. So that's, in my opinion, why you choose a broker, uh, because you, you can't be an expert in all of this, right? When you're running a business, you're, you're the expert in that business, but you're not an expert in all the different areas that it takes to run the business. So you outsource it. Um, so that's why I would highly recommend going to a broker. Um, and as I mentioned, there are some policies you can get directly from the insurance company. Not all of them are horrible. Not all of them are bad. But you don't necessarily know unless you happen to be an insurance expert. And then maybe you you do know. <laughs> Which I'm guessing if you're an insurance expert, you're, you don't own a brand, though. Maybe you do. Maybe, maybe you pivoted. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Maybe you had a little pivot yeah. or, or you yeah. have a side hustle, right? There's a chance that mm -hmm. that's an option. And I mean, I just want to echo that. And I think that savvy business owners know that they, uh, you know, that they need to think about the things that they don't know that they don't, that they don't know. And so to be right. able to rely on experts such as yourself for right. anything um, external that the mm -hmm. business needs um, is obviously a, a huge way to succeed, especially at first when you're getting started or even when right. you're small and growing, like you don't have it's not like you're going to bring in somebody in-house that's going to do the insurance for you. So right. having an, an external resource like you and yeah. the fact that you have worked with so many brands, I think you mentioned that it's 90 plus percent of your book of business are mm -hmm. CPG brands. Mm -hmm. And there's probably just so many nuances and so many things that, that you've already, um, that you've already dealt with, with your customers and clients um, right. that you can then take that knowledge and, transfer it to the new brands that want to come work with you. And right. to me, that just absolutely makes sense. And, you know, the other thing too, is it doesn't cost anymore. That I think is another big misconception mm. um, because how does the broker get paid, right? Like I don't want a middleman. The middleman's taking a cut. Well, we are, <laughs> we do get paid. We get paid by the insurance companies on, you know, commissions on the policies that we sell. 
But the oftentimes going directly to the insurance company isn't any cheaper or much cheaper, right? Um, and part of that reason is that the insurance company sees a broker as someone who's kind of pre-underwriting things. Like we are taking a lot of the underwriting and heavy lifting and due diligence on these clients off of their plate. And so if we are doing some of that work, we can actually get uh, lower premiums for you. So it most of the time is not more cost-effective to go direct. And there are some exceptions to that. Um, some policies are just pretty inexpensive, but for the most part, it's, it's not any more costly. That makes sense. And it's one of those things too, where you get what you pay for, right? If you're not an insurance 100%. expert and you don't know what to look for, having that expertise that you offer and being able to even pay just a little bit more for that. And, and it isn't, and we'll maybe talk about price next, but it isn't like you're talking about the difference between buying like a civic and a Ferrari, right? It's like right. negligible yeah. increase in cost, but you're, right. but you're, but you're paying for the peace of mind. And ultimately that's what insurance is like. Yes. If you have the need to use your policy, thank, thank goodness it's there. But most of the time you don't even use your policy. And so yeah. it's just for peace of mind. And that peace of mind is worth so much more and is and is and, and 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 actually gives you peace if you know that like the policy that you have is covering all the angles and all the different yep. aspects of your brand. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a good that touches on what risk management is, right? There's there's generally three ways to to manage risk. You can avoid it, so not do it, not have a company and just not put product out there. You can mitigate it. And that means, you know, you can reduce the chances of various things, having really good warning labels and, you know, working with um, various attorneys that can help you uh, mitigate the chance of some of these bad things happening. Um, you could have really great quality controls and do a lot of due diligence on the co-packers and suppliers. Those all mitigate risk. And then the third way is to transfer it. So that's what insurance is. It's okay, there is this risk and I don't want to be responsible for it. So I'm gonna pay a premium and I'm gonna ask if this insurance company deals with that risk, right? So, um, and I think that it, it can give you peace of mind when you at least know what's covered and what's not so that you're not caught off guard. So that you understand the risk in your business and you can properly plan for it. 100%. Since we're since we're talking about cost, and I know that the answer to this question is probably it, it depends, right? <laughs> it's the answer to a lot of these. But um, what sort of um, expectation do you like to set when somebody asks you like, so how much should I expect to spend? To yeah, get the coverage I need? That's the most popular question you get. And that's <laughs> the hardest one to answer. Um, it does depend, but it can certainly give you some some factors that play into it. One is revenue. Your revenue is going to directly relate to the premium you pay. That is the um, that's the exposure basis that underwriters look at. So and for for an understandable reason, right, if you are a ten million dollar company, you have that much product in the marketplace. If you are a $500,000 company, you have a lot less product in the marketplace and therefore a lot less opportunity for people to sue you or for something bad to happen because this made them sick, right? And so as your revenue increases, so will your premium because your exposure is going up. Um, so that's one factor, right? If, if you're doing millions of dollars, expect to pay more than your friend who's doing $1 million. 
The other huge factor is what is your product? So there are what I call really vanilla products and there are very high risk products. And sometimes the high risk products don't match your general understanding of what is high risk. Insurance can look at things a little bit differently. So anything related to baby products is extremely high risk. Um, pet food or pet treats, manufacturing, high risk. Um, cosmetics, household supplies, those things are considered, in dietary supplements, that's a huge one. Those are considered high risk. So be prepared if you have a functional beverage or you have um, ingredients like CBD or you have a baby food, you will, be, you will be paying a lot right out of the gates. The vanilla products are like, cookies, shelf stable cookies and macaroni and cheese and um, bottled sparkling water with nothing added, you know, those are very vanilla products. And so that's one thing too, right, is, is look at what is my, what is my product doing and how am I positioning it in the marketplace? Do I position it as solving a problem? Will, am I saying that customers will feel better after they drink this coffee or that they won't experience the 2 p.m. crash from having this coffee, right? If, if it's functional in some way, you should expect to be paying a little bit more. Um, and so it's very hard to give a number, but you, typically will not pay less than $500 a year for an insurance policy of any kind. Um, and mostly if you're doing, let's say less than a million, uh, you know, for a pretty vanilla product, you pay a couple grand. And if you're paying, or sorry, if you have a, a more high risk product, you're going to be paying maybe double that. So it's, it's very difficult to give a range here. And I know that it's important to, um, because people want to understand what they are going to be paying. So my recommendation is, you know, talk to a broker about your specific product and estimated revenue, and then you can get a much more um, specific number. Right on. And am I correct in assuming that this is kind of another benefit of working with a, a broker as opposed to going direct to the company that you have access to multiple policies from multiple providers? Right. And so you can almost like shop the rate around or not shop the rate around, but you're, you're, you're able to give people a lot more options yeah. than maybe going direct. To yeah. Them. I mean, we're for sure shopping. That's our job is to market. And so we go to various insurance companies and we figure out, we say to them, here's this risk. Here's what we're looking for. Give me your best shot. And then after that, we get, you know, a couple of quotes back and we do an analysis and we determine, okay, carrier A is giving us this and carrier B is giving us this, and this is problematic. And then you do a little bit of negotiation and you can apply some level of leverage to these insurance companies. And if it's a particularly um, low risk product with a lot of revenue, you get the most leverage because every insurance company wants it. Um, if it's high risk, low revenue, and they just started, you have a lot less leverage. Because most insurance companies are going to go, eh, pass. Um, but we, that's the other thing, you know, we're experts in this particular niche and CPG niche. And so we know which carriers want what, and we know where to go for certain types of brands. I love it. Um, what sort of commitments do brands need to make? Is it like they sign up for a policy for a full year, like a quarterly policy, biannual? How does that part work? 
So for sure, you should expect to have, so policies are issued on an annual basis. So you should, you should be planning to have that policy enforced for a year. Um, you certainly can cancel the policy if, let's say, you went out of business or you were acquired and you no longer need your insurance. Um, you can certainly cancel the policy, but they are issued on an annual basis. And then every year you go through a renewal process. And that's when you either renew with your current insurer or perhaps things have changed and there's an insurer that's more competitive, you can switch at that time. Okay, that totally makes sense. Um, you mentioned before the cargo insurance and how that kind of um, ties into, you know, co-packers, suppliers, protecting your inventory at different steps in the su supply chain. Um, what if your co-packer or your, or your 3PL or your supplier already has insurance? Like, does that already cover you a little bit or do you have to have your own too? How do those kind of play together? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Uh, and the answer is really, you know, it depends. So all of this can kind of be worked out for your particular needs. Um, most of my really new startups rely on the insurance that the co-packer and the trucking carriers and the 3PL might be providing, um, particularly the co-packers and the, and, the, and the trucking carriers or shipping carriers. Um, ultimately, you, you might grow out of that, right? The most prudent thing to do is have your own insurance because there's a lot of things that you can't control for. You know, your co-packer's insurance might, has, might have lapsed due to non-payment, or they were late on their renewal, or they might not have bought good insurance, right? You aren't in control of what they buy and how much insurance they buy. So it's, it's certainly more prudent to buy your own program and have that supply chain covered. Um, and, you know, there are ways that your cargo or stock throughput insurance can um, work with that, right? I had a client who they had a, a semi-truck fire. Um, the shipping carrier, the trucking carrier caught on fire and they lost about twenty-five dollars or $30,000 worth of their product. Um, and thankfully no one was hurt in this fire. So that's, that's good. Um, but they lost product and we turned that, that claim into the stock throughput carrier. And their job, their, the policy responds to make them whole right away. So they, even though the shipping carrier is responsible for that product loss, the cargo insurance underwriters, you know, they pay out, right, to our client, they make them whole. And then they work on the back end with the trucking company's insurance. And then the, they get recouped for their loss. And then it's as if you didn't have a claim. The, the insurance underwriter considers that you didn't have a claim if they were, if they were fully uh, paid back for that. So there's a lot of ways that, yes, their, their insurance policies, these third parties insurance policies may actually respond, but your policy is there to make you whole right away and then not have to manage being paid by that insurance company. So um, it can, it, it can really work in a lot of different ways. Um, but the first thing I would do with your supply chain is understand when do I own the product? Where is it? How much is there at that place? And is that something I can handle? 
if you have three or $5,000 sitting somewhere and that building burned down, could you deal with three or $5,000 loss? The answer is probably yes. You wanna understand if there was a worst case scenario, is that a bad day or does that put my company down, right? Am I gonna not be able to recoup from that? So those are the things you wanna ask yourself and then decide where's the tipping point? At what point does it make sense for me to buy this type of insurance? Or should I just rely on these other third parties to insure? Absolutely. And I love how you think about that more in kind of the broader context of um, what are the risks that I'm taking on at the different parts of my supply chain. And that, I mean, that you put in the name of your company, the word risk, because insurance is, you know, like, like you said before, it's helping to mitigate the risk of damage or loss. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to keep your company alive and going forward and afloat. And so I think it's another kind of feather in your cap or another, uh, a reason that somebody would want to work with you, you know, that would mm-hmm. want to work with a broker in order to get insurance. Um, I love that story that you told, not because the truck caught on fire. I'm glad that <laughs> no one was hurt. Yeah. But I, I, I like hearing stories like that because it um, kind of, um, it makes it more real. Like it makes the reason more real about why you need to have in insurance. Are there any other stories that come to mind, whether it's a client of yours or another business that you've heard of that, you know, that had insurance at the right time? Yeah. Grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another cargo one that comes to mind, and this was actually working with the same stock throughput insurance company. Um, They, what happened was my client had a shipment that never showed up. And this was actually a tech company, not a, not a CPG company, but same, same situation. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a shipment that never arrived at the destination and this shipment was worth a lot. So they come to me and they go, well, it just never came. So we need to, we need to call upon our insurance policy for this. And the insurance company actually, because they do so much cargo, they have relationships all around the shipping industry they were able to track down the shipment. My client had tried so hard to figure out where this shipment was and couldn't find it. And the insurance company was actually able to figure out where it ended up and get it to the right place. So that's another, you know, that's just another resource that they have um, being being premier uh, insurers in that, in that area. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side outside of, you know, stock throughput, we've got things like, um, you know, product liability claims. Those can be pretty nasty. A lot of what I've seen in my, uh, with my clients are nuisance claims. Um, I don't want to say that every lawsuit out there is, is fraudulent. We've seen a fair amount that appear to be, but, um, you know, things like chipped tooth claims, or I've seen a couple of those. Um, there was, you know, one where the claimant said, well, your product has the vegan label, but this wasn't vegan. And I wound up in the hospital and, um, you know, I wasn't able to attend my senior prom because of it. And, you know, they kind of tack on a bunch of um, mental anguish type of claims um, or, or allegations. Uh, those are the types of things that we see. It's not necessarily that 
there are enormous, I mean, there can be enormous claims, but there can be a lot of little stuff that build up and can, and can be pretty bad over time. Gotcha. Okay. All this to say, I mean, we've talked about so many reasons that it makes sense to get insurance for your business. And so the next logical question to ask you is, okay, I'm sold, I'm bought in, I, I know that I want it. I know that I want to work with you. What is the process like of getting in touch with you and what's it like from, you know, that first chat to having a policy that is awesome and solid. Yeah. So, um, to get in touch with me, you can go, you can go to my website, uh, ameliarisk.com, um, or email me Danielle at ameliarisk.com, uh, or find me in the Slack channel too. Um, Love it. and uh, honestly, the first thing that I like to do is get on the phone and talk about your company. I want to know what you sell, who do you sell it to? When did you start? Are you planning any new SKUs? I want to know about your supply chain. I want to know about your marketing materials. You know, what do you say this product can do for people? Those are the things that I want to better understand. Um, the other part of what I want to understand is what are you concerned about? What's your level of risk tolerance? I have some clients that want to buy every single policy and limits, you know, higher than I think they need to be because they're really conservative. I have some clients who are like, meh, I'm okay with that happening. And maybe next year I'll think about that type of thing. So it's up to you how much and what type of insurance you want to buy. And my job is to explain risk and present and explain what products are available to you. But it's your job to make that decision. Um, and then the next step is that you fill out applications, which I know is not fun. <laughs> that can sometimes be the hardest part of the beginning um, because underwriters want to know about all the things about your business. And um, applications is how we do it. So we really try to be technologically advanced in a very archaic industry. I, I admit that we are very behind the times. Um, so we use a number of products that help make your life and our lives easier. Uh, one of which is a smart application tool. So you don't have to fill out you know, four applications and enter your name and address and phone number and revenue and number of employees, you know, each time. Um, so, so that process should be a little bit uh, better than if you've, if you've done this before, um, you'll know what that process is typically like. Um, and then once we get those applications, we go out to market and we talk to underwriters, we see who wants it. We do a review of the policy or the, the quotes and the policy forms, and then we put together a recommendation. And then that's when we reconvene and I say, okay, here are your options. And here's what these things mean to you. And uh, sometimes it's really straightforward, again, if you're a very vanilla company. And sometimes it's a lot more nuanced and you have some decisions to make, but then we walk through that. Love it. That sounds super straightforward. And I like that it's very consultative as well. You know, that you like to, that you like to start with the phone call and you, and you ask a lot of questions about yeah. the business just to get kind of a lay of the land before diving into like policies and recommending right. things. And yeah, I, I mean, like I that, think, oh, yeah, go, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that, you know, I'm a consumer too, right? I'm a business owner too. And I hate when I'm having to make a decision and I don't understand how to make that decision, right? So my goal is to teach you how to make that decision. It's to explain to you, here's the reality of 
this situation. Here are your options and it's really up to you. And then I'm going to guide you based on what best practices are, what I would do. And then you get to sort of dial that notch or, you know, you get to decide how important various things are to you and how much you want to ensure. I have some clients, like I said, who they're like, I can't sleep at night thinking about this $20,000 sitting at this location. I need that insurance. And some clients are like, well, I really don't think anything's going to happen to that. So you get to make that decision. Yeah. It's kind of funny how, how, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen like, you know, the people's personalities, like on all different sides of the spectrum, but it's kind of fascinating how one person is going to stress over Mm $20,000 and someone else doesn't. And, and that's, and that's really what it comes down to is that peace of mind. Um, at least in my opinion, obviously you want it when you need it. And that's the reason why you get it, but to have that peace of mind, um, so that it's not taking up, you know, it's not taking up any of your brain power, you know, like that you're, it's already stressful enough to build a company or even to just work for a company in today's world and to be able to take some of that stress away to, um, ameliorate some of that stress, right? Yeah, Um, exactly. I think is, I think is awesome. And the other thing I was going to say is that I like the part of your process too, has that smart, um, application system, like the Mm -hmm. fact that you don't have to Mm -hmm. fill out a bunch of repetitive documents. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's awesome. Right. Too, so or, like you know, that we can, we can set, we send things via DocuSign, like that's mm-hmm. how old, you know, and most yeah. insurance brokers don't use it. Um, they still ask you to mail a check. Um, you know, there's, there's <laughs> a lot of ways in which our industry is really, really, um, really outdated. And there's, I can't change everything because a lot of it stems from the insurance companies and there are just bigger, things at play here, but we can change what we can change. And we do. So it's helpful it. for all involved. I love that. Well, I want to get, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you've got a hard stop in a few minutes. Um, just want to thank you for your time today, Danielle. And then just, you know, is there anything else you want to share with us? Is there anything else about your business you want to tell us about or anything else, you know, that I didn't ask you that you wish that I would have? Um, yeah, well, so I think that just to leave people with the understanding that you are not going to be forced into anything you don't want, other than maybe workers' comp, because that is required by all 50 states and it's not a choice. But aside from that, um, I think the folks are often scared to talk to an insurance broker because they're scared they're going to be told, you need this, you need that, and they're just going to be shoved into this. And um And you're not, not with us anyway, Um, because again, these, I want to give you the tools to make better decisions and and the right decisions for your company. So I think don't be afraid uh, to just ask some questions and you can walk away when you want. And uh, you can also always choose your broker, right? So if you made a choice with an insurance company and your broker and it's not working, Do not continue. Do not waste your time. There are better people out there for you to work with. So go find someone that you trust as a as a really good partner and advisor. Um, That's all I would say is you know life's too short to work with people that you don't want to work with for your business. And um, there is someone there for you. So. Hundred percent. Well said. Um, Again, thank you for your time. And thank you. uh, Yeah, thank you. It was great to chat 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 with you. Like I said, this is the first time we've had a guest um, with your skill set on the podcast, and I learned a ton. I hope the audience learned learned a ton, and maybe we'll have to do a round two down the road at some some point. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun to talk with you. 
For sure. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks again and have an awesome day. See you later. Okay. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for Physical Product Movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening.